Hi, I'm Chris Neeland, host of the new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders hoping to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Every year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind some of the most iconic brands in the world, like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the gathering's past events. Jane Wong was the global vice president over fruit confections at Mars, which includes Skittles. She was actually just made the global VP over M&M's, which is my personal favorite candy. And uh, M&M's was honored at the gathering a year before Jane came to represent Skittles in 2020. Jane was such a pleasant surprise to me. She's just so direct, so kind. She's a little bit quirky. She's ridiculously smart. You know, in my experience, I find a lot of vanilla within giant CPG type companies. Places like P&G, Nestle, Coca-Cola, Frito-Lay. People that thrive there tend to have to conform. They become these cogs within this giant machine. And they're always well-credentialed, of course. They have you know, MBAs from the top schools, but they aren't always dynamic or super interesting because their personalities tend to conform to the average. And they're almost rewarded for how they fit in more than how they stand out. But Jane was just so different. She has this manner that helps her organization be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And she's really the perfect brand steward for such an offbeat brand as Skittles. I don't know if people know this, but Skittles is the number one globally selling non-chocolate candy. 200 million Skittles are produced every single day. Obviously, you know, when you're that big, uh, much of the brand's success is really based on manufacturing consistency and your supply chain and your distribution within different countries. But, you know, Jane didn't come to talk to us about really any of that. Instead, she talked about consistent disruption in regards to consumer expectations, in regards to Skittles storytelling, and in regards to different causes that Skittles support. She elaborates on the discipline to stick with something, like Taste the Rainbow, which has been a work in progress for Skittles for nearly 30 years. You know, with how transient the CMO position is, it seems like mediocre or immature brands are really reimagining their identity and their value proposition every couple of years. And that's really the wrong way to do it. Uh, you should be more consistent and more disciplined and more committed the way that Skittles is. So uh, you don't need me here to lecture you about it. You came here to hear from Jane. So let's listen to what she has to say. Hi, everyone. Thank 
thank you for the lovely introduction, Rob. So I am Jane and I am the Global VP for Fruit Confections, as well as being the Global Brand Director on Skittles. I'm so happy to see so many of you enjoying packets of Skittles. I was just offered a pack and I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I have a lot of these. So um, uh, before I dive into one of my favourite topics, Skittles, I'll introduce myself to a few of you because I'm sure none of you know who I am. I have been at Mars Inc. for 17 years and I joined back in 2003 as a sales and marketing associate. Uh, in the last 17 years, I've had the opportunity to both live and work with Mars in Denmark, the Netherlands, the UK, and currently in Chicago within the US. You may or may not have been able to place my accent. For those of you who can't quite figure it out, I'm actually from Australia originally. There you go. I'm going to share with you some of my experiences and my learnings and how they apply to Skittles. Before I dive into a little bit of that, uh, you may not know a lot about Mars either. We are one of the largest privately owned family businesses in the world. Yes, the Mars family are still involved in our business. We have annual sales of over $35 billion. We have over 125,000 associates most of who actually work in our veterinary health business. And then also we've been operating for 108 years, of which obviously I've been experiencing part of that journey as well. Enough about me, enough about Mars. You're here to talk about Skittles and why we consider it a cult brand. So I want to say, first of all, a huge thanks to the team at Cult for inviting us to speak here today and for you to, for being and indulging me today in my very biased opinion as to why Skittles is the cultiest brand that we certainly have at Mars. And there's some facts behind that too. Skittles is a type of brand that has fans that do this in their spare time. People make prom dresses out of our distinctive packaging, incredible works of art out of our colourful lentils. Celebrities have custom vending machines in their house. I don't even get one of those. And people, and this is a little odd, some people even choose to take a bath in a tub full of colourful candy. I have some hygiene questions. However, the point of this is we had 20 million views on this. But then what happened was he inspired others to do something similar. They decided to take a bath in Skittles too. And that generated another 6 million impressions. And late last year, Lizzo, she decided to take a bath in Skittles and took a selfie and posted it on Instagram. Those of you who don't know Lizzo, she was our 2019 VMA Best New Artist. And that then went across the Atlantic and it triggered a response in the UK newspaper, The Sun, who used it as a conversation starter for body image and encouraged fans to do the same. So how did we get involved in all of this? Skittles and Mars paid nothing, zero. All of this was because of the incredible richness of engagement and viral content that our users were generating. So the question is, how do you get to this point, right? How do you get a brand to this point? And it didn't start that way. So what is the secret source that has really led us to here? And if we look past in the, in the last 30 years, there's been a real common thread. It was in the mid 80s that we introduced what is now the famous tagline, taste the rainbow. 
And it's in the last 20 years, we've had a very consistent approach to this Skittles world that you know today. It's a little quirky, it's unexpected, strange, and at times uncomfortable but we've been incredibly consistent about driving that in the last 20 years. That has been our crown jewel of brand equity and it originated here in Canada. It was over 10 years ago, a simple video digital piece was made for Tropical and that has become our best performing brand equity copy around the world. It's shown in China, Russia, and it's currently airing in the US. And that really takes me to my first takeaway, the key lesson I'd share, which is as you move forward into the future, be really clear about the jewels that you have in the past. Iconic brands, cult brands, are built through consistency over time. Taste the rainbow, that quirkiness. We've been working on that for over 30 years. It didn't just happen. We've been very diligent, focused on keeping what is relevant in the past and we believe will be relevant in the future at the center of everything we do. However, we've had great successes in the last 30 years or so, but we've also had some really big misses, myself included. And what I didn't share with you earlier was Mars, and one of the reasons I've stayed for the last 17 years is beyond the great brands and organization, it's a culture that really encourages learning by mistakes. They are the antithesis of perfection. It really embraces from your mistakes, learn, adjust, and then move forward. And I'm about to share with you one of my biggest mistakes on Skittles. It was um, probably within the first three months of me starting on Skittles and we were doing a Super Bowl ad. We had two ads that were on the table and that we had made. Uh, one of them was called Umbilical Cord. The premise was an elderly mother sitting next to her adult son, joined by a live umbilical cord. And when she ate the Skittles, he would taste the Skittles through the umbilical cord. Thank you, sir, thank you. I told you it was not, it was not my finest moment. Yes, it's Skittles and it was a mistake. Now, the great news is we decided not to air it on Super Bowl. We went with an alternative called Romance, which did really well for us. And then you'd think the near miss incident was done. However, it wasn't. It got resurrected and we decided to air it as part of a special Mother's Day promotion. <laughs> Not my best day in the office. <laughs> a lot of emails that day. Lesson, a really pivotal moment. Coming in thinking, you know, this is an incredible brand. It's quirky, it's out there, let's go out there. It's shocking, but I had lost my way. And if I didn't know what the course was, how were we going to direct our 60 plus markets out there in the world and our teams? Yes, absolutely, I was at the helm of it, but this was also a team effort. We had lost our way, so how do we find our way back? We knew what was incredibly successful in the past, but how do we make the refinements for the future? Because there is a balance there to be had. And so what we commenced was an incredibly robust archeological dig of everything in the past, as well as every single piece of work in the world at that time, from point of sale, through to TV, to packaging product. And we really assessed it to a judge. When we were at our best, when Skittles was at our best, what was happening? What was a common thread? And when it was going horribly wrong, what was that common thread? 
And there was one piece of work that kept rising to the top for us that we kept on coming back to because it, it really was at the core of what we believed was right for the future of the modern world and the changing media environment. And that work was the London Pride Give the Rainbow. Everyone knows the LGBT plus community loves the rainbow. And guess what? Skittles loves the rainbow too. Problem is, not everyone's as into the rainbow as we are. In 2016, we decided to show our support for the LGBT plus community at the biggest rainbowiest event on the planet, Pride in London. How? By giving up our beloved rainbow. So on this weekend, just one rainbow got all the attention, announced in an open letter to all of London and supported with digital posters on the day. We even had our very own float at Pride. And of course, rainbowless Skittles packs. Everyone loved it, especially Pride. That's a lot of love. And 2017's going to be even better with Tesco stocking rainbowless packs nationwide in support of the LGBT plus community. Now that's something to be proud about. Give the rainbow, taste the rainbow. It is, I have to say, uh, you, you do have pieces of work you love the most, and that one is definitely my favourite. I'm very biased on that one. What we loved about it was when everyone else in the world was throwing their rainbow on packaging, comms, everything. And that's not a bad thing, don't get me wrong. But for us, that wasn't what it was about. When everyone else was zigging, we wanted to zag. We wanted to disrupt the predictable. Every moment that's predictable, that's where our entertainment was coming from. Previously, our brand benefit was poking fun in reality. It was so loose. Everything was getting through like umbilical cord. And from this piece of work, what we really refined was our brand benefit, which is a welcome disruption to the predictable. We love being late to the party. When it's getting to the point where you know what's going to happen, you're kind of starting to roll your eyes, that's when Skittles comes in to disrupt what you can expect in a really surprising way. What we also found was that not only did it appeal to our current consumers, it was really appealing to people who weren't engaging or purchasing the brand at all, new prospects. And equally important, the passion that we generated in our associates around the world was incredible. This was the type of brand we wanted to be as we walked into the future. This was just one of two changes we made post umbilical cord. There wasn't a lot, there's two. The second one was we had a lot of conversations with every market, general manager, marketing directors, agencies out there to really understand where we were going wrong. Why was it confusing? What was it in particular that people were struggling with? <laughs> it was a question I expected, but I really didn't want to hear because I thought it was going to be really hard to answer, which is how is Skittles humour defined? I don't know. To this day, I still don't know. I will give you an answer, but I was like, that question I can't answer for you. I've spent way too many hours of my life debating. It's a feeling, but how do you articulate it in a precise way so that all these people around the world know exactly what it is to execute? And we really wrestled with that. What's funny in China isn't necessarily what's funny in the US or what's necessarily funny in Canada. At the same time, you're a global brand. You want it to feel and look somewhat the same. 
And then finally, it's Skittles. You know when it falls flat, there's nothing worse than a Skittles ad that's flat. You're like, ooh. And I certainly know what happens when you overshoot it and it goes into shocking and offensive. So how the heck do you define it? And how we did that was actually flip it on its head. Rather than trying to define it by what it was, we decided to define it by what it wasn't. We don't want to be cute. It's not sitcom funny. That's not what Skittles is. It shouldn't be culturally offense or gross. And it shouldn't be mean-spirited or have negative emotion. The best of our Skittles work has a beautiful, warm tone to it. But yes, a quirk and surprise that you sort of do a double take and go, what did I just see? But it should never come from a negative place. It should be never, ever mean-spirited. And then beyond that, we gave the freedom within that framework to say anywhere in between that is fine, rather than wrestling down the equation of humour to its exact precision. Between this and the brand benefit was when we truly unlocked something really powerful for us as we moved forward. And that's the second takeaway and lesson I have. It's, it's not rocket science, but it's really simple. You've got to provide simple frameworks that everyone can understand because we had 30, 40, 50 page documents trying to explain what humor of Skittles was. And this is what people understood. They're like, let me play in the sandbox as long as I'm in. Are we good? I'm like, yep, we're great as long as you're in. And having something so simple was what enabled us to execute, deploy this with absolute clarity around the world and with incredible speed. Rather than endless debates, conversations, they saw that simple framework, that artifact, and it was incredibly powerful people to execute. Those two small things. It's not about you don't change everything. You keep what is the jewels from your past and they'll take you forward. But small refinement on the brand benefit Clarifying what the humor wasn't has been an incredible unlock for this brand. That is the moment that we decided to stop doing Super Bowl ads. Do not get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing a Super Bowl ad. They're incredible. Mars does them. I love Super Bowl ads. But for Skittles to do a Super Bowl ad, it's kind of predictable. The point is we want to shake that up. And that kind of refinement has really generated some incredible work for us that we'd never explored before. And that work has really generated a well-deserved to our agencies and the markets who have led that work, 175 creative awards, which um, they've worked so hard for. So I wanna show you what I would consider probably our best piece of work from that strategic refinement, which is Broadway the Rainbow, which was 2019's Super Bowl. While most brands are making elaborate commercials to air during the big game, Skittles is going with a different approach. Instead of an ad, a Broadway show. A half hour long Skittles commercial. Wow. How to wrap my head around that. This might have been a bad idea. Yep, we skipped the Super Bowl and instead made a Broadway musical all about how horrible and manipulative advertising is. Then we charged people $200 to watch it. You have to buy a ticket? to see an ad. Yeah, it's a real Broadway show. Bad marketing idea. Maybe, but the story blew up and the show sold out in two days. Then we dropped the cast album on Spotify and a music video which didn't exactly celebrate the biggest marketing day of the year. And that blew up too. On Super Bowl Sunday, fans flocked to 43rd and Broadway where they discovered shirts and posters and vinyl records. 
bootleg shirts sold outside made an appearance in the show, as did fake ads in the custom playbook. It makes me spend money I don't even have buying hundreds of shoes I don't need. These 1,500 people would witness an ad which took months to plan and rehearse and would never be shown on TV or the web. trust a faceless multinational corporation again. I felt the glory of the stage, a candy ad for a brand new age. A brand new age indeed. The future of Super Bowl ads doesn't include TV or football. The most inventive run in the history of ambush advertising. So it worked. But was it any good? It's metadrama. It's ephemerality. We're genuinely, creatively excited. A joyful giving up of oneself to accessible absurdity. In fact, Skittles the Musical became the most talked about ad of the entire game without spending a penny on the Super Bowl. All resulting in a 5.6% increase in consumption. Broadway the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. It's interesting. Um when I look at that, I sweat bullets remembering that the moment we triggered it, I was like, I'm either going to get fired again <laughs> or this is going to be incredible. And, and that's when we know there's magic in Skittles ideas, when you're really riding that, that edge of like, ooh, this could, this could make or break us. And, but again, within the construct of not being offensive or mean-spirited. So I want to leave lots of time for your questions. So I just want to give you a quick summary of the key lessons that I've learned as in my time on Skittles in the last few years. One, do look back to the past if you have it to see what it is that really is relevant and has brought you to where you are and still remains. I was the first to say get rid of the tagline that start from scratch. We've all been there. We've all been in marketing where you're like, oh, it's easy to redo the whole thing. And I'm so glad that the conversations and we decided to stick with what had made us great, which was taste the rainbow. Really simple thing. You need to make sure people understand what you're talking about in a really, really simple way. Trying to describe and explain humor to associates around the world was so challenging. That little box has been the biggest unlocker in terms of some of the work that we're seeing come out, which is on, on par with the work we've seen on Broadway and Super Bowl as well. So on that note, I want to say thank you for your time. Uh, and I invite all of your questions, which will be very kindly moderated by Rob. So thanks for joining me for the conversation today. That was awesome. So how many times have you almost been fired? Three? <laughs> you survived a, a real big one, like, uh, shortly after you started, which was yes, pretty amazing. Yes, it's a... Um, Clearly people believe in you. I'm not out to get fired. <laughs> but just how much do you believe in the idea that you're willing to stake your career in it? Yeah, a few times. And I have to say, they've all been with Skittles, ironically. So, yeah. Decades of Disrupting was... The, uh, the title of your session. You've talked about relevance a few times, but why is Skittles so incredibly relevant and necessary today? Like, what is it that's going on in the world today that makes Skittles feel that it's duty to disrupt the predictable? I think there is a, two elements, in my opinion. For one, there is such an interactive dialogue with consumers today. Obviously, we're all aware of the prevalence of the media environment, Instagram, etc. They're all seeking content to generate, and Skittles has been a wonderful enabler for them to do that. 
It happens to also resonate with a certain genzennial audience, which is quirky, which is wanting something that's not the norm, who wants to stand out and just be purely entertained through some of our, our stories. So I think it's really, really simple. Those two things have really connected and they're creating their own viral content. They really are. It's an incredible brand. Um, Skittles is going to be honored tomorrow night, but you're in the same family as Snickers and M&M's. Mm-hmm. Uh, both brands have been honored here previously, and I'm wondering, do you do you share playbooks? Is there, is yes. there a lot of cross-pollination of <laughs> ideas uh, and, and mm. strategies? Certain things we do and certain things we don't. So I love my friends at Snickers and M&M's. We're very good friends. And uh, obviously, we have incredibly distinct brands from each other, different spaces we play in. I think there are learnings in terms of some of the media mechanics, Super Bowl, they've been really digging into what is it, the science behind a Super Bowl and some of that reach that we've managed without a TV ad. You know, the truth of it is you get the bulk of your impressions before the Super Bowl day for us. There's been real science over years that we've developed about exactly when those peak periods are, when to to land another nugget, etc. So we've really codified that and shared that with our friends and Snickers in particular for Super Bowl. Right on. As an international brand that serves consumers around the world, you were talking about how, you know, sometimes humor doesn't port very well. (laughs) So I wanted to to ask you, what what are the things you look at or what are the things you might adapt or change from region Mm -hmm. to region for Skittles around the world? It's definitely you have to give the freedom to certain markets where I'm the first to admit I don't understand a certain type of humour. I have a bias. I'm Australian, etc. I don't understand Chinese humour. Yes, I know I'm Asian, but I don't actually understand Chinese humour well. I also don't understand Indian uh, humour and stories either. I don't have the same traditional stories that I've grown up with. So those are the areas that I, I give that true freedom to the markets to say, please stick within the box of however you might define it. But really enabling them to go after that is is a key part of that humor articulation. Uh, Yes, sometimes there's some talent elements as well. I mean, I'm very passionate about making sure we have diverse talent coming through. And that is a trick sometimes when you're trying to export different ads around the world. So we try to make sure that that happens too. And also um, even directors of who you use to produce things. We're very mindful of some of those nuances as well as that diversity lens that we're bringing in. You know, Skittle's sense of humor is sometimes so irreverent. How do you test the creative or, or do you even bother <gasps> testing it? Man, I'm four years in, no, three. I, I don't know. I just know it's so, this is what I mean. This is what I was saying. Everyone's asking you how you define it. I'm like, it's a feeling. <laughs> and that's a terrible response to tell a market, but it's this feeling you get in your gut. You're like, you do a double take going, what? What did I see just then? What was that? And you look at it again, but it has to be not shocking and offensive, as I said. And there's that bit, like I remember those moments in Pride and those moments in Broadway, The Rainbow, where I was like, and I do have that voice that goes, oh, you could lose your career here. Like it's that feeling for me personally. As I said, that's a terrible articulation uh, of how to guide a brand, but that is how I feel in that moment going, I think that's a great idea. And you have that tone going, does anyone else feel that way? I feel like the humor is sometimes so offbeat. It's almost, you know, the kind of strange jokes you might share between friends, but never with anyone else because no one would get it. Mm -hmm. And I find that a relatability in Skittles. And I'm wondering if that's intentional. Is there a certain kind of 
yeah. say personality archetype that you've modeled the brand voice after? Or is there even a certain you know persona that you've tried to adopt for the brand? We definitely look at archetypes. That's something that we are um, very embedded in, in our Mars brands. We all have archetypes. Um, I think the key thing with Skittles, those archetypes are clustering. It doesn't tell you what type of, for example, if you're a jester, what type of jester are you? So we don't take that definition too strictly. The Skittles one, and as I said um, previously, is what's probably been the hardest brand I've worked on because it's really hard to pin down, but that's, it's just, it has to, it keeps pivoting. It's disrupting the predictable all the time. I've learned to make peace with that eventually. Yeah, it's just, I've never had an experience like this on a brand, which all my other brands have been very well defined. So again, it's a loose answer if I'm honest, Rob, but um, I've learned to let Skittles breathe and uh, just keep it bouncing between the walls is when it's in its sweet spot. I'd imagine that you have an in-house team that works on Skittles and, uh, and likely some, some outside partners as well. Mm-hmm. What's the dynamic between the in-house team and the outside partners? How do they collaborate? Uh, what incredible. things do you do in-house? What things do you not? Mm-hmm. We have a definite ecosystem. It, it, it varies a little bit by market. Uh, we have what we call an IAT, an integrated agency team, where everyone has an equal seat at the table. We, we start that right from the get-go from the business problem or objective that we're we're pushing for and then at the brief and all the way through. Um, I I have to admit I'm really black and white on it as well. If you're not aligned as a team, if we're not holding hands, we're not ready for this meeting. So we really encourage that to be everyone's at stake for each other. And that Broadway program is a great example where you've got PR, media, creative, all coming together social uh, to make that really work. So uh, I think that closeness has been something um, we very much value at Mars. Our agency partners have been with us for a very long time. They're part of our family. Right. I think a lot of marketers would look at some of the work that Skittles has put out with great envy. Like, how did they get away with doing that? <laughs> and I'm wondering, you know, how did, did you and, and your, your team, internal or external, win the kind of permission that you needed you know, to make such a departure from predictable advertising? Um, The Pride program's a great one. Uh, As I said, we're a family-owned business and we have a lot of passion about, we've never given up our rainbow ever. The thought of printing white lentils after building a brand for so long to be so colorful, that was a really big conversation. And it, it required a lot of understanding where the discomfort was. We did test and learn. It wasn't like we were turning everything, you know, off all the rainbow off of everything. It was very clearly, let's see if this works. And if it does, let's scale it up. We actually did Pride with uh, in Canada last year because it was successful. The other truth about Pride is we operate in markets where, where Pride is not legal. And we had those real conversations to say, you know, for those markets who may believe in the cause but had some real real challenges in terms of customers who are like, this is not legal in our country, we had a very open conversation about as a team, regardless of how it might impact certain markets, that we were still going to go there and brace ourselves for potential um, challenges in other geographies. Uh, transparency, candor. One decision maker, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm really always clear about you always want to have all, all conversations and voices at the table. But at the end of the day, we, you might be heard, but you might not get a yes is, is one, of the, one of the things I like to encourage in our team. And 
And if it doesn't work, then that responsibility, accountability lies with one person. So you it still actually say wasn't no me, to by some the way. Things. It was like my president, so it was great for them. Right. <laughs> but uh, but it was just really laying out the consequences of all the scenarios, going, we're, we're well aware of what could happen. Is this the right? This is what I love about Mars. It actually came down to one comment, which is, is this the right thing to do? And the answer was a resounding yes, and that was done. That was it. That when, when we're putting all the views, was just, is this the right thing to do? That's amazing. I love the simplicity of your brand framework. It's yeah. so easy to understand. We do get carried away with how complex we can make things. Yes. Um, but now that you have those boundaries in place, do you still give your team permission to push against those boundaries? Is it stifling creative or is it encouraging yeah. innovation? We haven't found it stifling yet. It is only three years in. I anticipate it will become stifling. I have no doubt. So I think we we have to continue to review, continuously improve what we're doing. Uh, it's still relatively fresh, the ideas that we're coming um, off of this. The thing that actually on Skittles, I think we struggle with the most is that it just falls short of the mark of being too cute or flat. That's what happens more often going, yeah, it's all right. I could rationalize it, but it doesn't feel like, what did I just see? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're feeling confident on the on the runway we still have on it, but there's an absolute openness to continue to learn. Uh, and every single program we do, we learn a bit more and we'll adjust as we go along. You, you know, you're such an atypical brand that does atypical things. Are there atypical success metrics or KPI that you're paying attention to as a brand leader that maybe other brands might be ignoring or not paying a lot of attention to? No, we're treated pretty much the same, all our brand leaders. <laughs> so we're, we're in terms of KPIs, we're, we're treated pretty much the same. I think how we assess our brands and whether we're in that sweet spot is a little bit individual and brand specific. As I said, I've never had a metric on a brand that I've worked on, which was, ooh, that, that made me just think and feel a little bit uneasy for a moment, uncomfortable going, what was I feeling? Um, I've never had to use that before. And I don't think I would need to use it on all of our brands in Mars. Mm-hmm. But uh, but in terms of how we judge our brands in Mars, we, we do have pretty common metrics across the board. How you choose to achieve them is where we have some freedom. Oh, gotcha. As important as communication is to a brand like Skittles, listening is probably just as essential. And I wanted to know how, how does Skittles listen to or even involve or co-create with mm-hmm. with your consumers, with your customers and in, in your fans and, and involve consumers in those kind of brand decision making? We have, um, we do a lot of co-creation with our customers, if I'm honest, particularly um, all around the world. In, in China in particular, the ecosystem of decom and decontent is so entwined that that is a, a very um, specific area that we've really focused on. We do have consumer engagement and two-way dialogue. What's fascinating is we can't keep up with it. You know, all those things that I just showed you with Lizzo and the bathtub, like we get surprised too and you never quite know what's going to take off. So I think we could, there's so much more we could do, but at times if I'm truthful, it does feel like I'm playing bop it. We're playing bop it, trying to keep up with all the dialogue that we have. But again, that's one of those things that we've learned to be comfortable with going let that content live and breathe. And when we can find that little thread, we'll, we'll pull along with it. Are there, are there other brands that you maybe look to in other categories that you respect or look up to in terms of the kinds of things that those are doing? Yeah. If so what, what brands might those be? One of the ones that really strikes me is Beauty Counter right now. 
Uh, I think the work that they're doing on their messaging about their sustainability, getting really on the, the transparency and being forefront of their thinking on that is incredible. I consume their content as a normal person, not as a marketer. What I see proactively when they share about their packaging, their going into their supply chain is really incredible. I've, I've been blown away. And I think not only the comms, I think what they do between the D to C, as well as the retail experience stores, that ecosystem is it's very, very uh, impactful. So I've been incredibly impressed with that so far recently. Skittles is such a lighthearted brand, mm -hmm. but uh, you know we don't always live in a lighthearted world. Uh, business is serious, and sometimes serious issues arise. Mm -hmm. um, how does your brand deal with controversy when and if it happens? <laughs> yes, we've had a few of those in the past. So we have a wonderful team to, to help us navigate and learn from that as well. I, I think we tried to keep it simple as always, which is, uh, I go back to what I said before, is like, what's the right thing to do? There's a really simple North Star about how we judge how we respond to things where we may not want to be at the centre of things. Uh, we can't control all of that. We know that's the era we live in. But how I personally make my decisions, and I have seen our leaders in Mars make up them, is just a, what is the right thing to do and treat that with the kindness and respect that we want to receive ourselves. So it's a feeling on how we approach it. And we have incredible teams in corporate affairs who really help us navigate some of that unprecedented world that we're living in. We've taken us through a, a few decades uh, you know, of evolution of the brand. What's the next frontier for Skittles? Told you, can't tell you. That would that would be spoiling the secret. And uh, you don't know when we're going to strike is the point. <laughs> it has to be when it's, but I would, as I said, it's what's predictable. We'll be late to the party is what you will know. Um, but I will give you a nugget of, uh, I think we've been doing some incredible work on communication. But if you think about our products that you're enjoying today, I don't know, I think you've kind of gotten used to predicting what they might feel and taste like, etc. Uh, so, you know, there's some really interesting touch points we're bringing through of disrupting the predictable on our product as well. And then a few of those are hitting Canada very shortly, as well as uh, have just hit in the US and the UK. Uh, you can get Skittles without a shell in the UK. Uh, and you can try some things that are dipped and covered in different things in the US as well. Uh, so I think you're going to see us bring that through in a 360 degree way as well. Well, thanks so much for keeping us anticipating what you might do next. <laughs> um, really appreciate it. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thanks. Thanks, Congrats, Thank you. Hey, friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you wanna learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in life. We've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information. 
I love Skittles' culture of learning, their permission that they give themselves to make mistakes. I love Jane's example of giving over their rainbow to pride. Just think about how your boss would react if you came in and suggested something as bold as changing your logo or your packaging or getting rid of the most iconic thing about your brand to support a cause like pride. I don't know how many other brand leaders would agree to do that. And I know many, many brand leaders, different CEOs, and even board members who would question if you're even qualified to run their marketing department for suggesting something so audacious. But that's really the point to me. Cult brands do things that are bold enough to be noticed. Nike puts Colin Kaepernick on a billboard campaign. Red Bull drops a guy from outer space. Coca-Cola lets Stranger Things bring back new Coke, arguably the biggest product blunder of the 20th century. The world doesn't need more boring, more expected, more of the same. What Skittles does and what they continue to do is both super fun to watch and really interesting for us to learn from. The Skittles Broadway musical that Jane talked about, instead of doing a Super Bowl commercial, goes down to me as one of the bravest, craziest, and most successful cult-like campaigns that I have ever heard of. So please, use Jane's presentation as a best-in-class example of what good looks like. I hope that you use her experience as motivation to push your company and to push your career to the uncomfortable places where genius and success are often found. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland, and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at The Gathering, a Forbes top-rated business summit. Learn more about The Gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcast.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.